Welcome to Coaching Conversations, a weekly discussion of topics related to coaching and the sport of volleyball at all levels. I'm your host, John Foreman, author of the CoachingDB.com blog and co-developer of the Volleyball Coaching Wizards Project. Let's dive right in. Welcome to episode 28 of the podcast. Uh, today, I've got a bit of what you could kind of describe as a business conversation. Uh, Although it's it's not so much about the financial aspects of things or marketing or anything like that. Um, certainly the finance comes into play here, but it's more about the management of players beyond the, the coaching realm. So in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of getting into the area of what in, in other sports outside of volleyball these days anyway, might be described as a general manager type of role. Um, my two compatriots on this conversation are Oskar Kaczmarczyk uh, from Poland, who recently took a new position with one of the clubs in the Plus Liga there. Uh, I have had him on a couple of times for other conversations, so and I'll link those in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, Mark Lebedu, who's been on quite frequently to help out and offer his perspective on things. Um, so. I think you'll you'll find it kind of a this an interesting look into how clubs operate in the, in the realm of professional volleyball, and also hopefully kind of at least start a discussion as to how clubs should operate and where we would like to see the sport progress in the future. So, uh, as always, we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts and opinions. So feel free to to post them here on social media, wherever you come across this. All right, enjoy. All right. Uh, why, why don't we actually start with Oscar explaining exactly what this this job of his is? <laughs> the, the, the hardest task from the for the beginning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so starting from the from the point zero, it's like uh, my club, my new club is uh, is one of the clubs in few clubs in Poland that they want to. Every time uh, we want to always to go to the new areas to develop uh, culture of the of the club and develop also a way of the work. And uh, after discussions with the president, which uh, Mark also mentioned once in, in on Twitter, he was the first one who insisted to uh, to create this kind of uh, position in, in uh, our club because Mark was working there before me. Uh, yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, so we were discussing with our president, with my president, that uh, the biggest challenge for this role is that uh, we don't have a specific uh, way of the work. Uh, we don't know exactly how it looks like or how it should it should looks like. So uh, our decision is it's to divide a little bit uh, between being the part of the club inside inside to the staff and inside to the team uh, which will, which will work also with my extra tax task coming from my my, my back my my past that uh, I was uh, many years I used to work as a scout and uh, analytic coach so I will be also helping uh, about tactic preparation also about uh, how to develop our system of play our game according to the stats, etc., etc. But the second part is it's about, which is more challenging and more, but also more exciting, is to build um, 
long-term strategy on the transfer market. And, uh, and it's a huge, huge part uh, because uh, I have to find the players for right now, for next season, upcoming season. But also I have to work with the junior sector, finding uh, a pot potentially really interesting guys. And also, it's not set. It, it, it's not set for this moment. But probably, I will also be a coordinator about the junior sector, helping because uh, our club Varta Zavierce, Aluron Sense Varta Zavierce, has a lot of academies around the club. So to to take to take it uh, together and to work with the one specific way of work, that's in short way what, I, what I'm going to do. So, so my impression, Mark, is that Oscar is basically the club's general manager in the sense of what you would see in, say, the NBA or other American sports. It's something like that. The, the, and this is when, uh, when, when Oscar started by saying the role's not very well defined, the first thing that went into my head was in the NBA, the, for, as an example, Every every club has a slightly different version of the same role. So, mm -hmm. not in yeah. every club do they do the same thing. And in football, they have uh, they typically or soccer, European soccer, they have the same kind of role. And I think uh, in every club, it works a little bit differently as well. So, it's about um, finding a way between the individuals in and the needs of the club. But the way that I look at it is that the, 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 the biggest point is that the, this role is, is a strategic role and coaches work tactically, coaches work in the short term uh, and the club and any organisation, This I don't think this changes from sport to sport or sport to business, but the organisation has to be uh, has to be strategic in the way that they work. And and in volleyball, more or less, nobody works strategically. They just try to survive from from year to year. And um, for this reason, I think that it's a great role. It's a great opportunity, uh, not just for for the club but it's uh, to show the uh, to show volleyball a way of working that's better and more sustainable okay so oscar a lot of what we see especially in europe and, and probably elsewhere is very short-term contracts for players and often for coaches as well i mean there are a lot of players who are on one-year contracts one maybe two-year contracts so is kind of what you're aiming to do is create a situation where you can have players longer, like lock players in longer. Um, obviously you mentioned also evaluating the juniors and bringing players up through that, that path as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The first, the first thing uh, is that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about, it's, is it true that we, we have short term contracts but it's according also to this economic situation of the clubs. Usually mm -hmm. clubs, they don't have a specific budget for four, four five, six, seven years uh, in front. They, they know exactly what kind of money they have for the next year, but they cannot 
think about next two, three years more. The the advantage of our club is that the, the owner is also the main sponsor and he knows exactly how much money he can spend for next years. So that's why also I think the idea from his side is that he he can use this advantage on the market. He exactly knows how much he ha- he can spend, so he can go more deeper, more deeper with the contracts. For example, uh, before me, before I signed and I came to to Zavierce, he already signed four four year contracts, uh, four years contract with two juniors, really talented guys in uh, in Poland, and I believe it will be if we're gonna really work well in this way. It's gonna be a, like a kind of a switch, a little bit in in European market. Of course, we cannot change this budget uh, situation, but we have to also show that uh, uh, the strategy. There are two ways to win. Let's say I always say if that if you want to win and if you want to succeed, you have to, if you want to get, get gold medal on on uh, on your chest, you get, or you have to spend a lot of money more than others which never guarantee you a success, or you have to smart clever than others. And uh, we take the second part. You want to be clever, more smartest, to prepare some some specific program with a lot of fails. For sure, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. But the, the strategy, the, the, the certain strategy for years will give us advantage. I believe on it. Really, I believe. We cannot change the, the economic situation for other clubs, but our club economic situation is stable. So why we we cannot use it? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark, you were definitely agreeing there when he was talking about money doesn't guarantee success. Although for a few years there, Zenit Kazan seemed to, to, to work that model pretty well. Well, they were smart enough to use their money to buy the best player. And they <laughs> the best player. They spent the same money on the second best player and it didn't work. The point about the budget is, is really big. And when uh, this is my experience in, in a lot of different places, when I went to Berlin, we didn't have a bigger budget than Friedrichshafen. Now Berlin has a bigger budget and the reason is because they work strategically. And the the general way in volleyball is to spend all of the money on the players. So I have a budget fixed for one year. I will spend all the money on the players. And then if we win, then we get a bigger budget next year. And Berlin broke this, this mold. And Zabircha has some similar idea. And they invested money in the club. They didn't spend all of the money on the players. They invested money in the club to build the club, to build the spectators, to uh, they to bring in sponsors and then service the sponsors. And then that's how they build the club. And now they have the biggest budget. But they have the biggest budget because in the beginning, they invested money in strategic development. And this is the thing that... Uh, that is almost non-existent in volleyball. And even Kazan, they don't really, I don't think they work really strategically in the same way. They're just lucky to have the, um, have a really good sponsor. Well, and that's, and that's part of, part of kind of the dichotomy, uh, especially in Europe between 
clubs that are sponsored more by, say, private commercial entities versus those that are primarily sponsored by government-controlled entities. Yes? Yeah, yeah. In Poland, mostly it's government companies. They, they, they give they give the money uh, for clubs. I think it's like around 70% that it's, it's covered by government money. And that's not the case at your club? No, no. It's a private or private okay. sponsor, private owner. Uh, what do I want to add to, to this discussion is that uh, it's around Kazan, it's, but it's not only touching this club, but it's about that uh, if you spend a lot of money and you start to succeed, then can can come. John, are you with us? Because Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still with you. Uh, yeah. Clearly my camera is quit, but I'm still here. Okay. Okay, uh, so it's I was, the, I was saying that, for example, Kazan for many years they were spending more money than others. They were winning, but can, can happen that one day will come somebody who can, who has more money than you, and uh, <laughs> and you are not ready. And it look, looks like a bit with with Kazan case that uh, now they have other rivals in in Russia like Kazan to Saint Petersburg. Uh, they they spend even more money than than Kazan and you have Perugia, you have other clubs, and what uh, and they have no solution right now for this for this situation. They used to 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 buy the best players. Now these best players are are gone and no idea how to come back to the throne. So we want to, I, I, not we. It's already done in in, in Zavierce, that we want to turn it, and we go from the bottom. That we, we are ready for crisis. Let's say we want to be ready for crisis. If one year you will not succeed, you will lose some some top player. Then uh, your strategy will will help you to recover it in next years, next seasons. That's the main idea I believe we have for right now in, in our club. Okay, so you're obviously a guy who comes at things from the analytics side. So is it? Is it kind of the 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 Moneyball concept going to be coming into it for you in terms of this long term player talent identification and hopefully you know acquisition in the club? So first, uh, uh, we have to understand. We understand already uh, the market situation, the league situation. Uh, it's something in particular, let's say, in, in Poland that uh, we have uh, foreigner limits on the court, which Mark doesn't have in Germany right now, which is much easier. Uh, it's easier for him for sure. So first uh, strategic point is uh, how to get best Polish players and then to to find, uh, according to the to, to budget we still have, best uh, foreigners. Because uh, it looks like not in Zawierci, but you know, all around Poland is that uh, first uh, you, you are buying and then you see, oh, I don't have money for Polish player. And then all idea for the season is going down because you, you don't have a quality player, a player, such a good player to, to disposition. And this is a, this is a big challenge in, in this case that in general, not only in Poland, but uh, all market play mar- players market in uh, all around the world is not so high, it's not so big. Uh, there are, let's say, I, I like to call it. If you go to um, to the top players la- ranking and the best players, they have ten stars. 
if you go like this with this pyramid, you have just five, ten star players. Then you go 10, 20, and you have 20 players, 20 teams, they are looking for the same players. So it's not easy to, to be strong enough if you don't have a lot of money to really, really sign with really good player. So you have to explore the market from the bottom. Let's say going looking for the players from seven stars and try and working about to, how to make them eight, eight stars. And etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The market is not so big, so and a lot of uh, other teams they are looking for, searching for the next uh, the same players. Me as a scout, let's say the analytic part of, of sport director is that all all presidents in the top level clubs they have the same names. It's not something special that you you cannot do, make a big surprise. Mark did last once in Polish league. Signing Salvador Hidalgo Oliva. It was uh, it was one player who came from nowhere, and he he was a star in Poland. But in generally, the names are always the same. So what we can do? The, the question we can uh, we can ask ourselves is: Okay, if there are the market is not so big, how to build other players to to how to make them come to to this level? So where we go, we go to the junior sectors, uh, sectors, building specific way of development. Uh, we spoke yesterday with Mark about it. That uh, it's not a, it's not easy that 19 years old player will immediately be on the level of plus Liga. So we have to find a way how to help them to be in the third year in plus Liga. So my job is also it's not only to find the player to sign the player. Mostly, I believe that the president will sign the players. Um, my my part will be more about decision who should be in our project, but then how to help them and how to follow them. Is because normally we talk, I don't know why, but uh, but for me it's a huge mistake. Is that the, the teams are signing sometimes long term contracts with juniors, but then they they don't follow these players. So my role is also send this player to lower league with good coach to the team with the good coach that I know that they work they will work good if they are ready to make another step let's go maybe you are ready to play in our team if not let's go to another step club maybe go to Friedrichshafen and work with Mark and after two years you are ready to play in our team because if you if we, we sign contract with 19 years, 19 years old player and he will be on the bench as a fourth outside hitter and he will never be on the court for for two years. We've lost this player. He will never reach this level, or he will re- reach this level, but not in our club, because our long-term contract will finish and somebody will sign with him. So strategically, you are making mistake. So also to prepare the program of development of each junior player. So uh, that's the point. That if there are no, not a lot of. Big names, big stars or quality players, uh, whenever, however you want to call them, you have to create them. Okay, that's it, it brings up an interesting kind of um, variation in, in motivations across leagues. So like Mark, in your case, since you can go out and hire all the foreign players you need to fill your squad, there's not as much pressure from that perspective of developing the German players, there may be from other perspectives, political and otherwise. 
So, I mean, what are your thoughts on just how that could work out across the various leagues? Every league is a little bit different. And there's one thing that Oscar said that I disagree with a little bit (laughs) is the idea of the market, that there is one market for players. And really there is, there is, I don't know, 15 different markets for players because one player, especially let's say a five-star player uh, with Oscar's model, a five-star player can be worth one amount of money in one market, one country, one amount of money in another country and another amount of money in another country. So for example, the, um, uh, the salary in Korea for a foreign player is the salary for an eight or a nine star player, but eight and nine star players don't want to go and play in Korea. So five and six star players go to Korea. And of course in Poland or Germany, you can't pay this money for a five star player. So it's not, uh, it's not uh, kind of straightforward like that. And one of the arguments against the um, against the foreigner limits is that it raises the the price of uh, local players artificially. So one, the, you can have leagues with a lot of money where uh, the local players are three star players, but they make seven or eight star money. So it's these are lots of complications, but. Um, it's really, it's a big difference in building a team because when, when uh, you start in Poland, in Poland and in Italy, for example, another place with limits, you more or less, you start from the local players. You, the, you get the best local players because they are the most expensive and you can always find the foreign, good level foreign player for um reasonable value in in germany uh we it's a much different it's a much different situation and what what happens is that in practice is that the top german teams are not in the market for the good german players so the top german teams don't have money to pay the good german players so we we end up with uh uh, with the, the developing juniors. And so in Friedrichshafen, there are, I think we have four or five young, uh, young players who can be uh, good players in the future. And then we, we fill the team with, uh, with a lot of uh, foreign players. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember coaching in Sweden. It was, it was that similar sort of challenge of if you don't have good Swedish players, it, it, almost doesn't matter how good your your foreign players are i mean in our in our case yeah one team had had hawk who was you know the single best player in sweden at that time and has since gone on to be a completely ridiculous she was what, 12 years old at the time 15 or 16 when i when i coached there yeah and she got set half the time she got half her team's kills you had to strategize around her in some way, shape, or form. Um, so it, it it wasn't that it didn't matter who else they had in the team in terms in terms of internationals because it, it did, but not as much as it, as it would in, in in a different situation. 
Um, so, okay. Th this kind of brings up in, in, in this discussion of markets, whether you're talking singular or, or plural. One of the things that we don't really have in volleyball right now, except in small pockets, is uh, you know a transfer market. Do you, either yeah. of you guys see that developing anytime in the yeah, yeah. relatively uh, near future? Actually, one of the my biggest projects, or in the, the main point on my mind map, uh, what I want to do in the next years is uh, to be the smartest one in this case. That I believe it's coming. The transfer market is coming morning, slowly, still slowly, but we have more cases than than in the past. That we have to start to to pass the money through all all clubs. Then we maybe it's more about we say we talked before that then clubs they can also expect some incomes from from the transfer, not waiting only from the government money, and then they can invest more about the long term con contracts. I believe maybe Mark will disagree again, which I finally I understand what you said, especially about this this case in Korea. But in this case about Korea, I would just I would like to say just they they are going there for this money because they know that they will never reach the level in Europe. It's of uh, yeah. But uh, coming back to the topic of the transfer markets, it it slowly starts uh, in in Europe. The the bigger for this moment the, the sharks they are paying buyouts. Uh, because we call it buyouts. It's not the transfer. It's a more buyout. We have uh, some famous case right now, or more, uh, let's say, start to be a little small war in, in Poland about Tina Urnaut. Uh, there are people around uh, around uh, volleyball world in Poland. They are attacking now Urnaut, why he left uh, Jastrzemski for better money. But I believe it's he should do it. He, we we need it as a as a sport. We need transfers. And uh, my well, coming back to the topic I said about this project is is to be prepared, really prepared for a moment that the transfer will be the huge part of the of our life. To how to do these transfers in correct way, how to earn money for each signed contract. Because for this moment, it's it's all about that we are signing contracts. The clubs they are signing contracts. They are working about. Results, of course, in one big part, but in a small part, they are working about also about development of players, but they are losing these players in a very uh, short way. So, uh, actually, in Jastrzemski, where Mark was, one of the biggest cases was that they are spending a lot of money about to the junior academy, but after academy, a lot of players, they are disappearing and the club doesn't have money from, uh, from this academy. So we have to fix this problem. Because money will cure a lot of things in volleyball, and we have to prepare. So, strategy about long-term contracts. I yesterday I spent a lot of time talking with some uh, some people in in volleyball. It's that it's not normal right now, but it's starting also that every player is asking or club is asking about buyout fee, which we can make also uh, gradually. I mean that we sign contract for four years. And this buyout is going down each year, for example, because already club gets something from the player. We 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 have to use to use this buyout fee, fees, and not be afraid about it. Which means that you have to prepare strategy. If we 
sell best player next year who has three years contract. We have to already be prepared with plan A and plan B, what we're going to do with this money we have right now in the pocket. That's my point of view. And this is my, my, uh, one of the biggest challenges right now to be prepared for this moment. I will, I will not disagree, of course. It was good. Ah. It was good. The, yeah. the, the change that needs to be for, or the development that needs to happen to, to take advantage of this situation is for clubs to work strategically and to have long-term contracts. Because if you have every, every player has a one-year contract, there is no reason for anybody to, to transfer because when you finish the contract, you just move. So if clubs are working for uh, with long-term idea and they have three, four, five-year contracts with young players, then and an idea to develop them because that's the important part as well. It's not just the contract; it's making the player worth more every step of the way. Then you have then you start to develop this market for players. And I uh, was just in Wrocław and in Gwadi and they have the same idea with young players. So they have a couple of their young players with uh, longer term contracts with the same idea. Oscar, you mentioned sending younger players out to, to play at other clubs, which you see a lot. You see a lot in football, you know, they, they loan players out to lower division teams all the time or, or teams also in their same division, but at a lower uh, level of play. Does the club, aside from player development, do the clubs benefit at all from those arrangements? Is there any sort of fee involved? As far as I know, no. It's it's just uh, uh, it's just about uh, that you you have player in your hand you, that you know that you're gonna you're never gonna use it during the season. So it's more that some lower level league is 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 giving you a opportunity to to use your player. They will play. And this, this is a, if you go to the budget of this lower team, they don't have to spend this money. Yeah? And they have more money for the other position. Uh, but other benefits, no. And we have in Poland, uh, probably you asked about it uh, now, but I don't know correctly the, the English name, English name for this. But we have the Cartellino, which we were talking about yesterday with Mark, that mm. now we develop a little bit more since I think two years ago, uh, two years ago they they signed this this rule that till twenty first year of of the player, if you want to sign contract with this player, you have to pay specific uh, uh, amount of money to all clubs, which we, uh, we were taking part of of development in the past, and this is the special formula. Formula, for example, if the, you if you are signing player who was already national team. The, the amount is higher. If he was never in the national team, it's the lowest uh, lowest price. And then there is a special cal- calculation about which percentage is going to which club. But for this moment, it is creating even more problems than before. Because if you are talking about the contract uh, amount around 10,000 euro and you have to spend another 10,000 euro for this fee, the the, the Teams which are not rich, they don't pay. And there is a question of what to do. And they sometimes they block players with their, uh, with their progress because the, some other clubs which are interested, they don't have money to afford this, this fee. 
before we were using, you know, sending 20 balls as a gift uh, to loan this player or, or something like that. But now uh, there is there is more, more there are more problems problems with with this specific rule. They had this rule in Germany also for I don't know at least since I at least since I know about German volleyball so more than 20 years that when you go to a first league club from the especially if you go from a junior club to a professional club then there is a fee that is uh, paid to all of the teams that um, especially for the uh, for the central program that develops the juniors for the um, the, the federation, uh, the federation development part and the home club also they take it's some money. But it's, uh, it absolutely takes sense has uh, has sense because uh, you cannot sp- w- uh, wait for the money from government to to build new academy in your in, in your town. Uh, these these small academies they have to also earn money to, for the future. Uh, we, we, you talk, uh, you talked, Mark, about uh, German uh, volleyball, but in football, it's the main, you know, maybe not main part, but a big part of the budget, small club oh, yeah, budget. Hundred yeah, percent. If you, yeah, if you go to the club of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, where he was a kid and seven years old in Sweden, is the richest cl- club in in Sweden, because he's uh, earning every time when Zlatan is changing. Uh, I once I, I I was on the on the plane with. Uh, former uh, agent of Lewandowski and he he told me a story about this club they don't know where to invest this money because the idea of this club is they don't want to grow up they don't want to be a pro club in the first division they want to just be focused about the juniors but they have so much money and they don't know when to, where to spend it just about one one of Ibrahimovic of course we will not never step into this world of this amount of money but it it has absolutely sense that that you have to get paid for for work you've done before. Yeah, the, uh, the, the brought up two things to mind when in this discussion. Part of it was if the international transfer fees that go to the federate the home federation of players when they sign contracts outside their country, and how all over the place those are. And I understand the U.S. is relatively low on that scale whereas other countries yeah. charge quite high amounts. Um, and part of that is supposed to be similar. It's supposed to feed, obviously, feed money back into the place where these players were developed. Now, whether any of that goes from the Federation down into the clubs, uh, i got a lot of questions about that. But on, on, on the other side of it is it's what you kind of mentioned is, in if you look at, at global football, there are clubs that are player development. They they train players and they sell players and that's their business model. And then the um, only ones the only ones that don't have that business model are the top ten clubs. Right. Every other club has the model to develop players and to sell them. I have a friend who is is working with Werder Bremen and their everything that they do is about developing players to sell them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the biggest part of the, their budget. They. They they hope that every now and again they can have a really good season and maybe challenge for Champions League, maybe. But more or less, it's their it's their life. If they don't have one big transfer out every season, then their budget is in big trouble. Right. 
And you can easily see that being the case in, in volleyball. I mean, there's, from an economics perspective, right. it's it's inevitable that that would it would work that way. I don't. I see it as the as inevitable if there is progress. But I'm a little bit cynical about <laughs> if there would be progress. Well, because it, what the difference? The thing that will have that has to happen is the thing that we've been. The whole topic of this is for t- is for clubs to start to think. Uh, in terms of strategy, yeah, this is the the one thing that has to happen. It's the clubs have to have the idea to take a long term view of their development and their progress and their whole lives. And right now, this doesn't happen in volleyball. So right. this needs to happen. The money part is the uh, is would follow on from that points of strategy, not yeah. the driving driving part of strategy, yeah. in my opinion. Well, and related to this, less about the long-term thing, but more from the, the transfer perspective and the rich get, you know, take sucking up all the best players, is what's starting to develop in the U.S. with uh, more lenient transfer uh, rules between colleges, between universities, where now you have a situation where it's making it much easier for players to just get progressively sucked up to a higher level of competition, essentially meaning that lower-level colleges and universities become developmental feeders for, you know, Power Five and, and, and whatever the case may be. Feel free to comment if you like. <laughs> I mean, except, except they don't get paid. They get no – they get nothing back again, do they? Uh, the, the, the colleges? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The players are starting to get money now because of this whole uh, name, image, and likeness thing that's that's coming around. But that's on a completely separate sort of. Well, I, I say I've read that you have now permission. The players in the NCAA they have permission now to get sponsors, right? Yeah. Is it true? Yeah. And actually, one of the more interesting kind of made me laugh out loud stories was a couple of weeks ago. A businessman in the Miami area said, "I will pay every single player on the University of Miami football team." $500 a month to basically promote my businesses. Like that. And that was, you know, that was within a week of the announcement that, okay, it's basically open market now. Wow. Right. So that it's, this is going to be a really interesting next few years to see how this all plays out and what, if anything, the NCA could possibly do to regulate it. The point is that they don't regulate it. That's that's their point. But wow. I heard who are the most the richest athletes right in the beginning. Did you did you catch that one, John? Uh, I've caught some things in passing, but I haven't really focused the, I, too much. I listened to something a few days ago, and the there are some gymnasts yeah. who have signed who have signed deals that will. The pro will be more worth more than a million dollars a year. Yeah, gymnast. There, there was a cheerleader a few years ago who had a ridiculous following, and was Good. I believe was making money off it because that's not an NCAA sport. So she, there was no issue <laughs> because it's it's related to the Instagram followers and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So if they have the Instagram followers, they can get money. At, they can actually now get money for promoting things. So. Oh, okay. Better. So. Yeah. The, the question that comes in, in terms of like recruitment is what role can the institution have 
in these sponsorship arrangements. They're, they're, they're developing different models in terms of how they're, they're working with the student athletes. Some of them are, are actually developing, like, I don't know, not a, not a business per se, but an internal strategy group, I guess you could say, to help players identify these opportunities and, and market themselves and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas others are, are leaving it, um, you know, more in the hands of, of others. So those things will develop over time and, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm not in the camp of those who thinks this is going to completely blow up college sports and that they will never be the same, you know, or they'll go away. They'll, they won't be the same. I mean, that's for sure. But I don't see them necessarily going away. I mean, it's the answer. It's getting you closer to European <laughs> conditions right now. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially, it'll get much closer to sports being club than yeah. than the classic exactly. amateurism model, which is let's, let's be honest, is, is kind of an archaic thing anyway. The Olympics managed to get past it decades ago, but yeah. Um, so so let's let's kind of get back to the the. The, where we started with, you know, what your job is. So, so in the, in, in the immediate term, Oscar, what are the things that you are actually working on? Okay. So first, uh, going back to, to the, the beginning of our conversation is first uh, I have to, let's say, draw my borders where I have to, in where I should work and uh, what I should do because it's a brand new thing. Uh, I like this. I never thought about it before, but yeah, general manager is a correct name. Like Mark said, it's everything. It depends on of the place this person is working. So I'm first. I'm thinking, what should I do, and how good uh, to be in this specific role. Second, second part is I, I have mind map. I think it's a six different directions that I'm then it's exploring and exploring. But <laughs> but for sure there there is a I. I would like to understand as much as I can market uh, in terms of like like I said before uh, and more maybe to to show it a little bit more is around is about that I have to collect all data about contracts uh, for the local players. This is for me the the first the first part. I have to understand that maybe next year on the market there will be ten quality players that we can try to let's call it hunt. And if not, what will happen in the follow, uh, following years? Because if if you decide to the, the decision to sign the contract for foreign, with foreigner should not be only about next year, upcoming season. It should be a decision: what will happen next year? What kind of chances we have to to get local players? Then uh, I spoke a little bit yesterday with, about Mark. Uh, with this, is the little bit algorithmic way to work is where we have to invest more money, uh, where we have to invest less money for local players. Because, for example, on this position with foreigners, we spend more less than uh, than for the other position. Let's call it, because this is not counted, I can, uh, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, let's go. To get the same quality player on outside he- less, uh, an outside heater outside of Poland, you have to spend a lot of money. Even probably sometimes maybe even more than for a local player, because we we have, but they already earn a lot. But you have to go with the same number. Then you, 
a lot of clubs, they pay a lot of money for middle blockers, local middle blockers, but we have more amount, the biggest amount of the, the same level players, foreign, foreigners outside of Poland, but this position gets less money, earns a lot less money. So I want to count it. Where, where is the, where we should go? Maybe we, we have to hunt every year for outside hitters because we always will find good middle blocker, which is cheaper than Polish one. Maybe opposite is the cheapest one. And I, I want to understand the market as much as I can. Maybe I'm wrong in that moment uh, with the position of the names of the position where I should go. But I want to get, get numbers. Second thing is that... Uh, I'm, I'm working, I start to work already about it. I would like to prepare the, the scouting reports for players because for this moment, I, I, I don't want to be a sport director which is drinking coffee and making just meetings with people and then saying, ah, this is a bad player, this is the wrong player and this is really good because I like it. I want to create, a, let's say, money ball. It's, it's more of a money ball, but of course not advances as much as I can, but Preparing my first rapport about one player, I, for example, I signed from second line. He he is able to spike line, but not so so much, not so often. But then it came to me to my mind the, the question: Okay, but what what is the average of spike line in, in Polish league? Which what does it mean? Often, not often. So I'm preparing all. I'm designing all materials, trying to make to find the average media. Uh, and then just to, my my dream is that I just want to click X, not X. Uh, yes, he has, doesn't have. And then I have full report like they do in, uh, in football. Like they do, like they, they have every every single club. They have some specific way to, to look for the players. Of course, uh, understanding also the position, the, mo- the moment of the team where we are. For example, yesterday we spoke a little bit about with Mark about it, but for me, my team um, this this season will be one of the worst in, in in block. We will not block. So I would like to maintain in the same level of side out, for example, for next year, but to find a better player in block or two better play- players. So it's really advanced. I believe that we can talk another time, like in two years, that where I where am I now, where I was wrong. Because for this moment, there are thousands, plenty of ideas that I have in my mind and trying to figure out how to connect each uh, together to, to be more efficient. Because finally, it's about efficient. The, what, the things that, that we have, and it's not only my problem, probably Mark had the same before we're working in Plus Liga, is that, for example, you are looking for, you, you really like the player who is top player in France. And he has a pass, he serves well, he spikes good. But then comes the question, yes, but he, is he ready to play in Poland? Right, Mark? Yes. So I'm thinking how to do it, maybe to kind of index. That's, for example, to kind of to, to look for if you are passing in Russian league where the service is the best in, in the world, this league is the best in the world, if you pass on 45%, which means that in Poland will be 52% because the server is better in Russia than in Poland. And go on, go on, go on. If you, if you spike 62% in France, 
or maybe Germany is better better example, 62, which means that in Poland will be 52. Go on, that's Moneyball. Little bit, my dream is Moneyball for volleyball. <laughs> Do you have any help with this? Because this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking for... <laughs> if you have money, you will have, uh, you will have help in five minutes, right? Now I'm, I'm looking for some... Uh, some uh, luckily in Poland we have a lot of volleyball uh, passionates. Yeah, it's a good word, passionate. Then I already found two guys. They they are data analytics. They are preparing softwares. Maybe they can help me. Of course, finally the first year will be that I have to watch players and I have to watch more by vision than than, than mathematics. But I would I. My dream is to, to prepare something that maybe one day I will leave this club. They will still have a solution in hand that they can do the same thing without me, which is a little kind of suicide, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you but do the, that, though, then you'll have a system that you could take anywhere or sell to people. So maybe you yeah, could get rich that way. <laughs> what you want to do is to do such a good job that, that every club now has to have a sport director. Right. Yes, that's that's other point that I believe that they... then you go to a Kazan who have a bigger budget. <laughs> I feel good right now in Zavetsha. Don't go too much in front. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but they, I as I said, my mind my mind map for this moment how I should work is already big, big one, and uh, maybe I will come back a little bit to to the past. Where I where I think when I, when I signed contract with uh, with Swiss uh, team Naples, nobody knew that I am already coached there. But I already got I think six or seven emails from agents. It was my fir- first recruitment season, let's say, and I got this time this period this time three hundred five hundred players to watch. Yeah, it was just the email. It was they were attacking me from any side, and I was super happy about about my recruitment. I found the players that I was looking for with with certain idea of work, of what I'm what I what I need. But then came to me one simple question: How many players I missed? How many players they are already better than than the, the these guys I choose? There is no specific, you know, uh, uh, data. There is no specific way uh, how to collect it. And that, that that was the first day that I should I should work about something like like big data. And uh, because, for example, when we talk about Polish league, which we we said before, size, the market the size of the market is not so big. But if you are working in the lower leagues, because Mark, you said maybe one day you will be in the Kazan. I believe that the teams lower than than Liga, they should invest for this play this position more than than Kazan. Because yeah. Kazan, for, Kazan, because Kazan has money to buy buy the best players or at least nine stars players. But if you have money to to afford four stars players, these players you have. For thousands, for thousands, and you can, you have to find correct one, which is fitting well your team, and that was the, coming back to my Swiss experiences. Was yes, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, 
the choice was correct. But how many players I missed? Because finally it was like I was opening every email and I was, it's a shame for me, but I was giving three minutes for each player. I was watching two, three spikes. Ah, no, there's no. <laughs> but I don't want to like work like this. I want to have database where if I'm looking for the correct passer, which correct with good serve, I want the best with block. I, I have, I don't know, the, the, the bracket of 10 players and I'm looking at the players with the best block. And I'm just clicking this one. It's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Just I'll, I'll ask Mark a question just to kind of wrap things up since we're coming up on time. So, Mark, how far can the, the, the kind of money ball concept go in volleyball? <laughs> how far can it go? The there's a there are two impediments. One is the uh, is the market. Is the market in the sense that in America, in NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, there is one single market, and one dollar is worth one dollar. That's all. You you know exactly how much every player is worth. So the the concept that we that we talked about before. So a five star player is not worth X dollars. It's worth X dollars in Saudi Arabia, Y dollars in Korea, uh, Z dollars in Brazil, and A dollars in you know, Poland. So that's that's the one impediment. The second one is the um, is a, is about data. Is about comparing data. I'm not. Yeah, it sounds like Mark froze up. Anyway, uh, maybe to to, yeah. to to use this time is that uh, yes, we are talking all about Moneyball, but of course. Are you here? Yeah, I'm here. He, Mark dropped uh, out. Okay. Of course, it's uh, the, this money ball was in the 80s, right? Uh, maybe, yeah, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. Yeah, I forget exactly when the time frame was. I know it looks like a little bit strange and it looks like a dream, but for example, I, last, I read uh, two months ago one article about Polish guy, data analyzer, who prepared the program software, uh, which was working about which coach is fitting best to a specific team. It was about, uh, it was tracking all the data, for example, what kind of formation that he prefers, what kind of development of players he did. And then it was comparing to ideas of the club. And that was like, okay, Liverpool, three names, boo, boo, boo. And yes, it's kind of utopia, it's kind of paradise, but I believe that we are in uh, in this moment, the technology, our technology is so advanced and it's not so complicated to to go in this way. On the other hand, I know that we we are humans and we have to always trust our emotion and our, our decisions, but I would like to have some specific, specific way how to scout the players. Maybe it's the first step and second step maybe to create one day software which will just give me easy solution. You have three names, decide between these three names, not be uh, between 25 names. That's that's maybe in the short way of what I want to create one day. Of course, having money <laughs> because without money, we'll...
I have to learn from zero everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark is back. We're almost okay. back. Yeah, All right, so me. so Mark, we lost you right when you were starting to talk about uh, the second your second response, the the data side of things. So, I, I the uh, I think on. Uh, there was, I think there ends up being three things. The first thing, the second thing is that I'm not sure that the leagues are comparable with each other one-to-one. I think that there are lots of individual factors at play. Um, and maybe that's then related to the third point. And for me, the third point is that the, that this, we have a lot of data and it's incomplete data because Nobody actually spends time making sure that data's standardized or even good. Um, but allowing for that, I don't think that we have very good analytics. I don't think that we have very interesting analytics. Um, Oscar talked a few times about blocking. I don't think that we have any, we don't have a good way to measure the impact of blocking, for example. Um, and I think that is one of the impediments to a money ball approach that's true that for sure it's a completely different sport uh, i mean to really more difficult to analyze than than for example baseball baseball it's, it's simple let's say yeah, dis- yeah it's very discreet yeah yes but it's not it's it's easier to analyze than basketball and i i actually don't think that volleyball People are very imaginative in how they how they analyze how they analyze data, or uh, how they how they think about the game. Okay, I think we could probably do a whole other episode on that topic alone, or maybe not yeah, specifically yeah. lack of creativity, but just generally speaking, developing better analytics and where we can go with that. But um, I think we can we can wrap things up with this discussion here. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes on the website, coachingbb.com, for links and further information about this episode. You'll also be able to find the complete back catalog of prior coaching conversations. While you're there, you can sign up for my mailing list. Members find out in advance what conversations I'll be doing next and can submit questions if they like. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash coachingbb. Patrons get early access to every episode, as well as other special benefits along the way. I'm always interested in hearing what you think about coaching conversations and ideas you might have of topics and or guests for future episodes. You can send them to me at john at coachingbb.com, tweet them to at coachingbb, or hit me up on my Facebook page, Coaching Volleyball. All the best until next time.